Sam. Mini Leslie here, bringing you your mini episodes for your mini satisfaction. Tell me when. How many? That many. This is it? That many. That's the amount. That's you right here. You're right in there. Right now. Right in the mini sode verse. Right in the mini sir. Mini sode. <laughs> the mini sode. Going to the club. <laughs> With the mini sode. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. And uh, yes. off we go. Uh, Let's do it. Mini sode. Um, <laughs> buckle beep, up, beep. buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Because mm-hmm. this today we're gonna talk about real horror, real fucking horror. So we thought we're both fans of true crime. Yes. Getting to know Sam and Leslie a little more. Yes. Um, join us. Join us. We like true crime. We uh, actually. I mean, I love true crime. It's a interesting. And morbid fascination yeah. that we share. Uh, yes. I don't know. How did you get into true crime? Uh, well, you see. Uh, Pregnant pause. <laughs> <laughs> getting a little bit, like, personal. Okay. Daniel, um, Sam, and I, yes, uh, join us. Um, I lost my mom when I was eight. So, and it was very brutal. And then after that, I feel like I've always had... The question, like, who done it? Mm. And then more and more information was given to me the older I got. Mm. Lost her when I was eight. And then by, like, 16, I think my adopted parents um, finally, like, told me the truth about what had happened. Excuse me. And um, then after that, I think I started questioning, like, how do people get there? Mm. Um, so that is the approach that I see true crime and I am always wondering like what their motives are, mm-hmm. even though sometimes like, I know we don't need them. It's just something that this person wanted to do and sickly, like it was just a fascination of theirs. Um, so yeah, that's how I started getting into it. Having a more understanding of how yeah. these minds actually work. Because I think, like, we're all very unique in the sense that we can make and interpret things to our own personal, like, opinion. Um, so, like, why why murder? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how is that... Your brain been wired to, like, find that to be joy because there's been some of them that have talked about how they've never been able to feel happiness or Mm. joy until the moment they have the power to remove somebody from this life Mm. so and it's a i i think i it's, it's somewhat similar fascination um and kind of like, almost like quest to understand how the human brain mm-hmm. kind of works. For me, that's where a lot of the fascination comes from. And um, 
really getting down to the motives of uh, what pushed this person to do this thing at this time and then why, you know? And I think it's a culmination of things of like, you know, upbringing and brain chemistry and the actual specific situation that they're in at that specific time in their life, you know, all kind of like a perfect storm coming together. Nature versus nurture and nature plus nurture, I think is kind of how I see it. It's like, it's, it's a combination of both and like it coming together to a boiling point to push someone to do, you know, crazy and fucked up things. Also, um, there's this research being done about um, if a massive head injury as a child could then reprogram that child, mm-hmm. you know, like to then not, I don't know, receive pleasure or see people in a different way. I don't know. like Or just in ways that they can't even understand yet because I think that's the other thing too that I learned through listening to true crime is that there really is not that much understanding of how the brain actually works. No, because we've murdered a lot of them Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And that's the whole debate as well. Like, should we murder these people that have murdered lots of other folks um, and hurt them? And then also like, should we research them? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like how much, how much can we get from these people who are narcissists and would love to talk about themselves and make you go down the spiral that we don't know whether it's the truth or not. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, I can see both ways, Yeah. but at the same time, like I do wish there was more research. Um, I think that, to just kind of recognize it a little earlier. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that that's the ultimate goal is crime prevention. You know, mm-hmm. we, we hear all these stories of murder and um, death. And I think a, a lot of times the goal is to make us aware of what's going on in the real world. And that the reality that there are people like this out there to then recognize the signs which then hopefully lead to crimes actually being prevented. So I found value in true crime in that way. And I think it's an important thing to have for Mm -hmm. that actual reason. The reason that I started listening to it was um, more of a kind of that curiosity of what's going on outside of my bubble and what's going on outside of my hometown, which is very like sheltered and, um, safe community Mm -hmm. and i think you can get very lost in that kind of comfort of being safe in a very close-knit community so it was honestly more of just like an exploration of what else is going on and this is like really like a dark side of the world that people don't talk about no they don't want to talk about or those that particularly don't listen to true crime don't want to surround themselves Mm -hmm. knowing like, I mean, you know, it, what, what's the, what's the phrase? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. So yeah. like. I agree. I think I, that's ex- exactly it. You know, people don't want to acknowledge it. And also 
I think that it's easier to just live in your own bubble. But you it's know what easier. these communities are also doing? Because a lot of these violence are done to a lot of women. I mean, also trans folks and gay men. Um, and But, like, it's giving us these stories to then better prepare ourselves for if there are any signs, mm -hmm. we can recognize them or we can help somebody else. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it is important to at least, if something goes, like, is in the media, listen and, like, just... Because you don't know what information you'll receive that then will prevent or help somebody else in the future. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So... And if you're just ignoring everything, I, I don't know. No. I think, yeah, it's a, unfortunately, it's a scary world out there. And we all got to face up to that reality sometimes and just be prepared. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a about living in fear. I think it's just about yeah. being aware of it and just being prepared. Having like, it, to me, it's just like a mental weapon where I can then just store and then if I need it, it'll be there. Yeah. Um, just recognizing signs too. Mm -hmm. Recognizing point. signs. Well, we thought uh, maybe talk about some of our um, standout, uh, <laughs> yeah. my favorite murders edition of the Deadlights Pod. Yeah. Um, maybe just talk about one or two that we that really have st stood out. I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to right. what you've brought. I have brought a couple of them that I have listened both on my favorite murder and Shout crime out. junkie. Shout out! Shout out! Those are my two to goes uh, for true crime. Um, and one of them is Is uh, Israel Keys, which I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm really terrible with names, so I just sometimes can remember remember only what they have done. Mm -hmm. But Israel Keys was an ex-Marine uh, veteran, and he hid kill kits because he traveled for 10 years around the country, mm -hmm. and he literally would just go there sometimes to just kind of scope the area, um, see how easy it would be to, like, kill somebody mm. and in these in these like kill kits he would bury them um and there would be like barrels full of like uh weapons that he was gonna use money um and then like other extra things that would help him hide if he were ever to be caught mm. um and like, he would bury them. He knew the location. So then sometimes he would come back again and then have the sensation of, like, wanting to kill and all, everything was there for him. He um, prepared himself. Wow. He did. Jesus. I can't remember exactly how many people he murdered, but they are uh, kill kids that they have uh, dug up mm. in recent years. Um, that he had, like, obviously was planning on coming back. Mm -hmm. And they predict that they, like, he hit about, like, a hundred of them or something like that throughout oh the country. God. Um, I think he's only murdered about, like, six or so people. Don't quote me again. 
But one of his last kills that got him caught was that he was um, in a Starbucks drive-thru. And he, he saw that the... Well, he had, like, uh, been patrolling it. He noticed that the, that the uh, girl in there was alone. She was closing up by herself. And then he goes through the drive-thru and tries to, like, get in. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what had happened, but he doesn't end up killing her. I think he, like, tries to shoot her through, uh, the... Over his frappuccino? No, I think he just, like, had the instinct of killing. He just had and the he urge. wanted to, yeah, before uh-huh. he went home. Because he had a family. He had a wife and kids. Um, and, uh... I don't know exactly what the wife thought about all these like trips and stuff. I think she thought that it was just a part of his job or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought those kill kits were. That's pretty fucked up. Fucking. That's scary. Eerie. Yeah. Like it is so scary. Well, and I don't know the story specifically, um, but this kind of correlation between, I mean, Planned. Well, our you know he was trained as a marine. He was an mm-hmm. ex-marine, so he has this that kind of like mentality of you know recon, you know scoping out the area, planning ahead, always being prepared no matter where you go, which is taught in the military. So it's kind of like you know you create a killing machine, and then what happens when the killing machine comes home? When you put when you're putting away your little robot like. They're still gonna want to have that instinct. It's not a robot. It's a human who's gonna I mean, be out there having a having a life. So that is it's scary. Like the whole that brings in like another kind of whole element of it, like this re, the rehabit re rehabilitation of mm-hmm. soldiers is obviously not there. I mean, when did this happen? Um, about twenty twelve. Okay. No. Yeah. Oof. So, like, yeah, it, uh, and then I think he was, like, in his early 30s mm-hmm. or mid-30s. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, he was doing that before and he got paid for it. You know, he got recognized and now he's having to get, go home and live a normal life, quote, unquote. Not, I mean, clearly <laughs> he couldn't. Absolutely yeah, he couldn't. not. Yeah. Jeez. So scary. Yeah, really yeah. scary. Really yeah, scary. and it, I'm sure there's barrels out there that have not been absolutely recovered. Yeah, and just they're they're trying out. to figure out where they're at because uh, he only had correlations and stuff like that sometimes of the ones that he had used or something like that. So mm. he was very organized. Mm. Um, he had also robbed banks, uh, so that's how he had the extra cash and a lot of the tubs and stuff so okay gotcha yeah this guy this guy yeah yeah monster monster scary just to even have the thought yeah not that that was more like have the instinct instinct like the instinct to just do that yeah like Like i need to find somebody to murder before what if you run into someone like that on the street by accident well have you had the thought of like someone in here could be a serial killer yeah. or that old man could have gone in to like a raping rampage and nobody has caught him. Yes. Cause the golden state killer was so fucking old. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And they just caught him. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, no, it's creepy. It, like, kind of... It's always the... the he s- was such a nice boy. Yeah, he, he was a I regular... I would have thought... I, like, didn't even think that he was even capable of doing that. He would always tip me $20. He was such a nice neighbor. He always waved at me when he went by. Bye. He, he waved so long goodbye. Oh, and then he got his car and just flipped me off. And I was just like... I mean, I saw a dead body, but I didn't think anything of it. I did see a lot of ropes that he was purchasing, but I just disregarded them. I just thought he had tie-dye shirt, like a red tie-dye shirt. I didn't think it was blood splatter. I am pretty 40-20 on this one and 30-20 on this one. I can't see all that well. Yeah. Um... Anyways. Sorry. We were just playing <laughs> every neighbor ever. <laughs> uh, so what's yours? Well, I one that always sucks sticks out to me. This is a story that I heard on Sword and Scale, which Ooh. is a podcast that I listen to. Shout out. Shout out. Um, really uh, very like informational, heavy forward podcast. No jokes anything it's like very just like presents the facts of the case essentially nice um no jokes no jokes like my favorite murder <laughs> not like this not like what we're or doing this. now no um True. uh it was more like a story that was kind of presented as an ethical dilemma too it was kind of interesting so this uh guy who was living in california he was uh addicted to drugs and something about california is some states have this three strike uh, law where if you get charged with a crime three yes. times, then you have to get the like maximum penalty or something at the third time. Um, so he was a drug addict and he had, um, I think, committed two drug related felonies. So he had two strikes essentially. And he got back out and he was starting to do better, but then started to go back to doing drugs again and then started robbing or started burglarizing places. Um, it was never crimes where he put anyone in danger. It was, Mm -hmm. he would rob a place when people weren't there and just take their money so they, that he could then do drugs. So he was never actually putting a person in harm's way intentionally not giving him any excuse but just, right. i'm just trying to paint the picture of right. this person um he has a mental disorder which is addiction and he will do anything to get drugs instead of him being thrown to jail he should have gone to go get rehabbed and stuff and right. maybe hopefully help him a little better and he was on his third strike um and so he started burglarizing places again because he was doing drugs and he came upon um a uh a house like in the middle of nowhere it was like a gated house but the gate was open and he kind of was just like walking around the house and it had one of those like security booths like in the front like right by the gate Mm -hmm. where you get like checked in or whatever and he was walking by and the light was off when he walked in, in that little booth. And then he like walked around the house. He was trying to see if he can get, get in. And then he couldn't find any way in. So he started coming back out and 
a light had been turned on in that security booth. And he was walking by and he saw a safe sitting right there in the security booth. And he just made a quick decision to run in there and grab the safe and got out of there. Um, and so he eventually popped the safe open somehow. And it was mostly like, I think like legal documents. And then he like dig a little farther and he found a bag of used diapers. And then he like dug a little farther and found, um, I think it was a USB and he plugged in the USB and on the USB, it was like kitty porn. And so it was, I think somehow made clear that whoever is using the diapers was the same kid that was in this, in these pictures. So he was taking the pictures essentially. So now this guy, yeah, really fucked up. Now this guy has a dilemma of if he turns this into the police, he has to admit that he broke in, broke in and burglarized the place, which mm-hmm. would then get him his third strike and thrown in jail. Or say nothing and this person gets away with whatever they're doing. And he had to kind of make that ethical choice of what do you do? What do you do? What he eventually did was he sent the USB to the cops in the mail, but they eventually found out who sent it and they caught up with him and they did end up arresting the guy who was ended up being, I think it was um, a relative was molesting their uh, like younger niece or nephew or something mm-hmm. um, and taking the pictures. So that person did end up getting arrested too. But because of this third strike law that was enacted, the guy that turned in this guy was actually facing more time than the guy that was like molesting this child. So it was like a weird backwards, like I do remember our justice system. Yeah. Like, kind of this backwards thing but that always stuck with me of like what would you do if you you know knew you were going to go to jail probably forever but had to expose to expose this person or say nothing and this person keeps you know it's a crazy yeah i think i i i mean who knows under the circumstances of addiction and stuff i don't know if i would have done the right thing but I would like to think that I, I would have wanted to expose this man for doing these things to children. And perhaps I would just be better off in jail anyway, mm-hmm. because then it looks like I'm not going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's not that, you know fucking jail is better than a mental institution or rehab but I don't know yeah no and that's way. a fucked up fucking law yeah for well, like, it's I think it was this guy who was molesting his I believe niece was facing I think like 35 years but the guy who turned him in was facing like 300 some years because of the, the compounding things on the yeah. strike law um, Are you going to do that for rape as well? Like, people don't go hard on 
rapists. Yeah. And the reality is, is like, this guy obviously was breaking the law. I'm not condoning burglary, but it wasn't robbery. It wasn't like he was putting anyone, any physical person in danger by arming, like being armed Mm -hmm. with a weapon and like robbing them. He was breaking it when people weren't there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like it was weird legal, like, loophole plus like this weird ethical dilemma. There is a happy ending. His lawyer really pushed the story, pushed the narrative of what the truth was behind mm-hmm. the situation. And so um, there was a campaign for his release and the judge ended up just paroling him. So mm-hmm. he did not have to spend 300 some years in jail. Without parole. Right. Which is even worse. Mm-hmm. Because then he'll never have a chance to like have a like a retrial or just like stating his case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No. So shit. ended okay yeah. for him, but still it could have been a really fucked up upside down situation. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Freaking crazy. Well, that's, um, it also taps in a little bit on Donnie Darko and like, would you expose this man who everybody seems to be a really good guy Mm -hmm. when you know you're going to die? Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, and in that situation, he didn't expose him in the end, but he still had to live with the truth of... Like, Patrick Swayze's character had to live with the truth that he is got a problem. And he is... That he's a piece of garbage. He's a piece of shit. Of shit. A big shit. Unrecyclable Schnitt. shit. And a person like that, we hope, and I hope, eventually does get exposed. You know? Oh, yeah. So, something... Mm-hmm. Uh, the. Everyone gets their comeuppance, you know? Yes. I think. What comes around goes around. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> I think that that's two great stories that we... That is we, true. We brought. Yeah. Um, I like both those. Um, I think we should do this again, though. <clears throat> we definitely should. There's still there's, a lot more. There's a lot of things that um, we both like Not crime. to turn every Minnesota into no. true crime. But Once in a while, we'll... Yeah. Pepper these in yeah, here. Bring, if, you, bring you some more stories. Yeah, especially if we run into a story that, um, like a movie that is about a serial killer mm-hmm. or inspired by a serial killer or serial-esque, we can then definitely bring you some more serial some more killers. Stuff, for sure. Because we yeah. know you probably like this stuff too. Yeah. I hope. <clears throat> I mean, more than likely. More than likely. We're all in this... I mean, the reason we kind of did this was because I feel like there is this intersection of horror Mm -hmm. and true crime, you know, this morbid fascination and uh, this kind of dark fascination with the dark side of reality and the dark side of the mind. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. I mean, that's why I fucking love horror. Because whenever I hear these stories, like it inspires me of a character or mm-hmm. to write a little short something mm-hmm. or a movie. Um, so. Ball connected. It all connects, bro. Going back to back. Zipper. Z- 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 all right. Yeah, well, that's 
That's that's us. That's us zipping you out. That's us zipping you out. We're zipping you in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but well, you can follow me on Instagram at color me Leslie and me at beep beep Richie T. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us at the Deadlights Pod. Deadlights. Uh, also check out Playground Social, which is the studio that we are recording this at. But until next mini so yeah, let's get, get mini spooky. Look out because reality is scary too.